listening to the Alan Carter Show on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. We are joined now by Morgan Campbell, who is a Global News reporter who is on the line with an update on this major search that is currently underway for two missing teenagers in a part of Algonquin Park. Uh, Where are you now? So I am sitting actually at the last place that the two teens were located. That um, is at the Western Uplands Trail. They were last seen between the Rainbow and Susan Lake. So this is the area that they would have started their journey at. And what is the latest on the... um expanded search. We've heard that they're throwing a lot more resources at this today. Alan, they really, the OPP is pulling out all the stops. As you're aware, this search is now entering its fourth day. Time is really of the essence. They do have an OPP helicopter in the air. The canine unit um, is also on location. They have many frontline officers on foot. They're being assisted by park wardens as well as uh, the Ministry of Natural Resources. They've lent some float planes. So really many agencies, government agencies coming together to try and locate these two 16-year-olds. What do we know about uh, the, the search right at this point? or Where are we getting our information from authorities in terms of updates? Well, the OPP has been sending out updates to, to members of the media. At this point, they are asking members of the public to, to stay away. Uh, they don't uh, want a whole bunch of people clogging the area trying to assist with this search. They do it um, in, you know, like a grid system with GPS tracking so they can account for land that's been covered, land that hasn't been covered. Um, it's quite the organizational type of task. So Morgan, i got to break in here. i just got to break in here. This is just now in from OPP East. Update. Two teenage girls missing in Algonquin Park have been found safe. An OPP canine unit found the girls just moments ago. This now in from the OPP Breaking News. These two teenage girls, who they have been searching for for days now, have been found safe. Obviously, that is great news, Morgan. Absolutely, absolutely. That's very great to, great to know. I mean, four days alone, I'm sure that their family and, and their friends have been quite concerned. And again, uh, this uh, just coming in, it was an OPP canine unit finding these two girls from Kitchener who had been missing for days in Algonquin Park. We're going to let uh, Morgan Campbell go. I know you've got some calls to make because this information is just coming in. And join us tonight on Global News at 5.30 for Morgan's report. Thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me, Alan. So, great news there, developing right on the Alan Carter radio program. Those two missing teenage girls who had been gone in Algonquin Park, not seen since Thursday, have now been found safe. That's the OPP canine unit finding them just moments ago in Algonquin Park. Great news there. Coming up on the Alan Carter radio program, we are going to take you to court, and namely the Your Ward News editor, who is facing sentencing today, but there has been a twist in this case. Our Catherine McDonald will be with us with that. Also, we're going to talk about Doug Ford's poll numbers, some recent poll numbers out, and what I think of them, and what I also think of this whisper campaign that is going around that says that Doug Ford will not lead the party in the next election, that he will just see the reasoning and see the writing on the wall, and if he doesn't do that, he might get pushed out. My thoughts on that, coming up on the Alan Carter Radio Program, Global News Radio 640 Toronto.
Welcome back, my naughty, naughty friends. You naughty, naughty types. With your minds in the gutter, you are killing the planet. You are killing the planet, you perverts. And you know why? It turns out that streaming online pornography produces the same amount of carbon dioxide as Belgium. As Belgium. You dirty, dirty people. According to a French think tank, over 300 million tons of carbon each year is produced because of all the electricity that it requires to produce online videos. And one-third, one-third of online videos are blue in nature. So clean up your act, clean up your mind, and clean up the planet. Hey, listen, listen. Horror has a face. Let's take you to court now with developments in a court case where the editor of a Toronto-based publication convicted of hate-mongering in January could get another crack at trying to defend himself. Now, instead of sentencing James Sears today, the judge has said that he's going to give him a chance to show why his trial should be reopened or declared a mistrial. Uh, Sears fired his lawyer months ago for allegedly throwing the case, complaining that he wasn't allowed to call a defense. All of this from the War Your Ward News newspaper, which was said uh, he was convicted of uh, promoting hatred towards women and towards Jews. Catherine McDonald is our global news crime specialist, and he's at court today. Hello, Catherine. Hi, Alan. Is that still stand up? Is that what's still going yeah. on? So actually, I was just uh, we just got out of court because. Uh, his uh, Mr. Sears' co-accused in this case, uh, Leroy St. Germain, who was also convicted of willfully promoting hatred against women and Jews, he had a sentencing hearing. Now, he is the publisher of your ward news, uh, and so he, he was not the editor, as Mr. Sears was, and he just actually got up in court um, in advance of his sentencing, and he said uh, he, he had a chance to address the court, and he said that, um, you know, he believed that, uh, you know, Mr. Sears' material had some reality to it. And he actually said he thought that many of the people who were offended were prompted to be offended because there were posters around the beaches um, during the time um, that had been put up by a number of people who were very upset by the, by this paper. And, and these uh, these posters were telling people that if you're offended by this paper, you should call police. So, um, so Mr. St. Germain will be sentenced in August. Uh, he, the Crown is proposing that he spend six months in jail and uh, served two years probation for his part, which was, again, he was the publisher of the paper. Uh, Mr. Sears was the editor, and he was really the one who was in charge of what was being written. Uh, And so, again, today would have been sentencing for James Sears, but as you said, he, uh, after firing his lawyer, put in an application four days ago to reopen the trial, or better yet, to have a mistrial declared, and the judge is now considering that. Uh, opponents of Mr. Sears, like Warren Kinsella and his wife Lisa, who are here, who live on the beach, who are, you know, offended, as many people are, about what was written in your ward news, says this is just a stalling tactic on the part of Mr. Sears. Um, he He's had four months since his conviction to, to do anything, and now he's he's uh, putting in this application to, to have the trial reopen, and the judge is doing that, and, and Warren Kinsella believes that is because um, he's desperate and he will do anything he can to stall. In terms of the timeline, if the judge has said that, yes, that he will take under consideration Mr. Sears' request to either open, reopen, or retry him, how long do we think that will be before we get a decision on whether that happens? 
So we're going to come back to court on August the 1st. At that point, um, Mr. Sears is going to have sort of uh, a roadmap for the judge of what he would like to uh, do if the trial were reopened. These are the witnesses I would call. This is the new evidence I would present. The judge is going to decide whether that those are credible arguments. Uh, and at, so he'll probably take a few days and decide based on what happens on August the 1st. Um, that being said, Mr. Sears said today he, he expected he, he might have lost this application. He said he was prepared to go to jail. Um, the, you know, the, the opponents, including the Canadian Institute of Jewish Affairs, who are here, they're very disappointed that this has happened. Um, you know, a lot of interest groups here, community groups, wrote a victim impact statements from, uh, you know, the Toronto Rape Crisis Centre groups that were found uh, this misogynistic writing was very offensive towards women, uh, obviously Jewish community groups that found it offensive towards Jews because, of course, they were denying that the Holocaust existed in, in their paper. So, you know, these are groups that think sentencing should have happened today, and they would have liked to have seen that. It didn't happen. They're hopeful that in a few weeks the judge will throw out this application and uh, Mr. Sears will be sentenced. And that application for 12 months, you know, that is what the prosecution is asking for. Do you have a sense of precedent here that... That seems to be a, a a lengthy, or at least I don't even know what the precedent would be in terms well, of this kind of thing. You know, the precedent is a is a, is a case about uh, about a teacher named Jim Keekstra, which goes back to the '80s in Alberta. Who he was a Holocaust denier. I, I don't know what kind of time he served for. He, he was a, a teacher who who taught that the Holocaust didn't exist. But his name has been brought up when they talk about cases, similar cases, um, and. So, yeah, 12 months is what the Crown is asking for. It's twice as long as the time they're asking for for the publisher, Mr. St. Germain. Um, but really, I mean, the message needs to be sent here that uh, promoting hate against Jews and women will not be tolerated. Um, I'm told from Mr. Kinsella and his wife, who are a group that, rep, you know, are here because they, they were the ones who used to get these papers on their front doorstep on the beach, that this, this uh, charge of willful promotion of hate against women, this is uh, the first time it's ever there's been a conviction um, of that charge. So, you know, that, that is a precedent that has been set. Catherine McDonald is a Global News crime reporter, and you can watch Glo- uh, Catherine's report tonight on Global News beginning at 5.30 and simulcast here on this radio station at 6 p.m. Catherine, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. I can tell you as a longtime resident of the beach, this is not something that is new to me. I received this newspaper. I watched it land on my front doorstep. And I, like so many others, was outraged and angered by it and, and wondered how it is possible that something like this could could be. And, you know, obviously, I'm not a woman and I'm not of the Jewish faith, but this quote comes to mind from Martin Niemöller, who wrote, First they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists. And I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews. And I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me. And there was no one left to speak for me. It's important to remember. And important to stay on top of stories like this. Because the promotion, the willful promotion of hate. We have seen the consequences. We know what can happen in society. And so we must guard against it. I want to quickly turn to Doug Ford and something I talked about just before the break. And these new poll numbers, just terrible poll numbers for uh, Doug Ford. This is the latest one from Corbett Communications Survey. 
This is in the Toronto Star today, saying that just 10% of respondents think that the departure of Ford's chief of staff, Dean French, whose friends and family members received plum postings, will undo the damage. Only 10%. 60% believe the Ford government is corrupt. Those are frightening numbers for any politician. And with the downward spiral of Ford's popularity and numbers like that, and booing at Raptors celebration parades, there is this growing sense around the park, around Queen's Park, that Mr. Ford simply will not survive as leader. That either he will see the writing on the wall before 2022, or a nervous caucus. Remember, the progressive conservatives have a long history of eating their own leaders. That the conservative caucus will throw him out. Those things are all very possible. But in terms of politics, the kind of runway we're talking about here, folks, makes this pure speculation that should be just absolutely shunted to the side as fantasy and just pure rumor. Because we have a federal election this fall, and if Mr. Trudeau wins another majority, well, come a couple of years from now, perhaps people will be even less disinclined to vote liberal. And that entire storied Ontario tradition of having one government, one party here, and another party in Ottawa will continue. My point is, is that there's a long way to go here. And anybody that tells you that Doug Ford's days are done have not, have not seen him in action. He may be unpopular now, but political fortunes can change, and they can change very quickly. Just look at how quickly his own have fallen. Maybe there's nowhere to go but up. Maybe it's just Kathleen Wynne, and he will be the millstone around the party's neck. But there's still too much time to talk about that with any serious thought. I do want to update you very quickly on some breaking news we brought to you just about 20 minutes ago. And that is the great news out of Algonquin Park, where those two missing teenagers, two 16-year-old girls who have been missing since Thursday, have been found safe and sound. That, according to police, an OPP canine unit found those girls around noon today. So absolutely fantastic news there. There had been a ramp-up of the search. Both of those girls had some camping experience. They had some uh, equipment, some provisions with them, but not very much. You can imagine how absolutely terrified their families must have been. There will be questions to be asked about this. There will be questions about what kind of supervision there was for the camp that they were at and why was it that they these two girls were allowed to head off on their own. And at the end of the day, you know, it's all good, it's all great news, but those questions will need to be asked because there's so many students that actually spend, you know, time in Algonquin, and we don't want, especially, we're talking 16-year-old girls here, we, we don't want to say, well, you just have to be chaperoned to death, you just can't do anything. We want kids to have those experiences off in the woods and to, to develop uh, their, their own skills, but the kind of fear that their parents must have been through since Thursday... We are obviously very, very glad to report that those girls are safe and sound. Now, when we come back, we are going to be talking about the Stampede and some things that have been happening at the Stampede. You may have heard six horses have had to be put down because 
of the situation at the Stampede, and obviously the opponents to having animals perform are saying that this is just another example of how this should end. We're also going to talk about scooters. And a scooter death now ha- in England has raised a lot of eyebrows about these electric scooters. Now, you may have heard, and this is the t- relation to the stampede here, is that the very first free, usable, not free, the dockless uh, scooters, and you see them in all over the United States, the first place they are legally now in Canada is at the stampede and also in Edmonton. We're going to find out more about that when we come back. This is Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. You're listening to the Alan Carter Radio Program. Dateline London, the death of a British YouTuber in an electric scooter accident has raised concerns about the safety of the increasingly popular vehicles. Emily Hartridge, who presented the online series 10 Reasons Why, was killed in a collision with a truck. London's Metropolitan Police said a woman in her 30s on a scooter died in a crash Friday at a busy intersection. And police didn't name her, but Hartridge's death was confirmed by YouTube and by her boyfriend. Now, it is illegal in the UK to ride motorized scooters on roads or sidewalks, but the law is widely flouted. All of this is raising a little more concern about these dockless scooters, and they are coming. They are coming to Toronto. We don't have a firm date on that, but they are already in Alberta. Bird Canada, with a pilot project, bringing those scooters, those dockless scooters, to both Calgary and to Edmonton in time for Stampede. And I switch from that... And concerns about safety with that to Chuck Reagan race safety now up for review after six horses have died during a stampede event. Injuries have forced a veterinary medical team to euthanize three more horses competing in this year's Calgary Stampede Chuck Wagon races. That now brings the number to six, the number of animals to die during the annual Rangeland Derby event. Here is Warren Connell, CEO of the Calgary Stampede. We acknowledge that despite our best efforts to reduce risk, we are dealing with animals and there is an element of unpredictability. We review all of our practices and procedures, including the penalties, including the dealings with the drivers, and we'll continue to do that. That is Warren Connell, CEO of the Calgary Stampede. On the line is Camille Labchuk, Executive Director for Animal Justice, an organization that has long campaigned against animals performing in the Stampede. Hello, Camille. Hi, Alan. What I, I guess the sad part is, is you're likely not surprised that this has happened. No, I'm not surprised at all. In fact, every year when the stampede starts, people wait with bated breath for the first animal to die, and it usually doesn't take very long. That's the heartbreaking truth. But this year, Alan, has been particularly deadly. Six horses have been killed, and and that's the highest number since 2010. So it's the deadliest uh, stampede in a decade. Uh, you know, we know that these animals are, are very likely going to die at this event, and I, I, I appreciate the Stampede CEO's point when he says that um, they have done things to try to prevent that, but to no avail. And I think that's exactly why this event now needs to be shut down. It's that we know we simply can't force horses to race in chuck wagon races without risking their lives. And 
resulting in many of them dying every single year. There's no way to do this event without risking their lives. The organizers of the Stampede and those that support it will say that this is tradition. This is also a major tourist draw, and this is one of the major reasons that people come to the Stampede. I don't actually think that's true. So I'll start off by saying that I was born in Calgary. My family is still there and has even involvement in the Stampede Organizing Committee. And I grew up in a rural area in, in the Maritimes. So, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of people who, who aren't just big city dwellers from Toronto who are having problems with the Stampede. When you actually look at the statistics of who attends rodeo events at the Stampede, only uh, 16% of Stampede goers, according to the Stampede's own statistics, actually go to rodeo events. The rest just show up for what is family-friendly, harmless fun. Pancake breakfast, uh, concerts, carnival rides, other fun community events. I actually think that the Stampede would benefit from removing the animal cruelty from, uh, from, from its events by dropping the rodeo because a lot of people avoid going to the Stampede because they don't want to support that type of uh, abuse. Whenever you have horse racing or horses performing, whether it is in a chuck wagon race or recently we have seen investigations into the number of deaths of horses just in any kind of horse racing, should we just take this out of our society altogether? I think we're getting to the point where that's the only acceptable solution. We've seen public attitudes shift radically about using animals for entertainment in the the last decade or so. Uh, Canada just passed a national ban on keeping whales and dolphins in tanks and using them for entertainment performances. Um, And that's like pretty strong evidence to me that people's minds have shifted about the use of animals in this way. Uh, I think when it comes to horse racing, when it comes to the stampede, we know that these events are likely going to kill animals every single year, and that there's no way to clean it up to do it better. And that's why people are starting to say at this point that enough is enough. We, we need to stop holding these events altogether and, and treat horses the way that they deserve to be treated and not like disposable items that are just designed to uh, drive profits for their owners. I, I just remarked the other day about how quickly attitudes have changed about things like single-use plastic. It seems virtually overnight we have gone from, you know, just accepting that that's what we do to saying, well, no to straws and no to some other things. Do you think that there is a seismic change about to happen in terms of what happens at the Stampede? That's my feeling, Alan, and I can tell you from having worked on Stampede Rodeo issues for a number of years, I've never seen anything quite like the coverage this year. Uh, The deaths are nothing new, but the amount of coverage is new. And we're seeing more and more outrage, more and more people emailing my organization to express how upset they are with the situation. I, I think that when you know better, you do better. And we're starting to understand a lot more about animals and their, uh, their capacities, their abilities to feel pain and suffer like we do, their abilities to have positive relationships and experience joy and take pleasure in having their friends and family. Uh, you know, I, I don't think that a lot of people are, are still of the mindset that animals are just unthinking, unfeeling automatons that we can do what we want with. We now recognize that we need to treat them well. We need to take care of their interests and not just use them for whatever profit most of humans have. So I think that's kind of a lot of the shift that we're seeing. Camille Labchuk is Executive Director for Animal Justice. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, happy to be here. Thank you, Alan. From animal rights to airline rights and an announcement today that there are new rights for you, the traveler. Uh, Airlines will have to reimburse you for flight bumping, for damaged luggage, and also 
Here is the minister on something else that you can do. A maximum period of time on the tarmac, which is three hours, and also the treatment of passengers during that waiting period, which must include access to water and food, to the bathroom, to communications, to air conditioning and, uh, and heating if it's in the winter. How about that, Mark Garneau, letting us all go to the bathroom? Huh? How's about that? When we come back, the developments in the Bond world. My name is Bond, James Bond. James Bond. The new movie is set to be out shortly. Every week there seems to be some kind of new rumor. And you may have heard the new one about a new 007. A black woman playing 007. And then you think to yourself, what? Well, there's more to the story than meets the eye. Because behind the headlines, there is a lot of speculation that this may not be quite what you think it is. And Chris Genesellos is from globalnews.ca. He's our entertainment reporter, and he joins me live in the studio. Hey, Chris. Hey, what's up? I'm good. So what is the actual story here? Yeah, it's weird. People are really uh, going sensationalist right off the bat. They're not even really looking at the actual story, which is that Daniel Craig, who we know and love, uh, will remain James Bond. However, there is a new character, allegedly, and this is coming from the Daily Mail, which is a dubious source at best it's coming from an anonymous movie insider who says that a black british actor named lashana lynch is has been cast as 007 meaning she's going to take the identity the 007 number which is used to to identify james bond and be 007 but not james bond no mr bond i expect you to die so it's because everybody's like, oh, it's 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 a twofer here. We get a twofer. We get a woman and a woman of color Correct. as James Bond. You know, we'll just skip over uh, anybody else and just go right to that. But that's not what is happening. That is not the story. And as we've seen in today's society, that is what people do now is just jump immediately to the extreme that this is happening right away based on very minimal sourcing. Uh, literally every outlet pretty much under the sun has run with the story today. But. Again, so get back to what we know, or at least what we think we know from this anonymous movie insider, is that this could be the opening sequence, like they have in all James Bond. It could movies. It could resolve itself in the first six minutes. Yep, everything changes uh, in a split second in those movies. So, I mean, there's no guarantee that this character is even going to have longevity at all. And what do you make that the society and the news these days puts so much emphasis on these new casting? Uh, announcement. We we had a a, a Disney one recently. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it happens weekly now, where we get these uh, you know these supposedly in quotes out there castings. Uh, so earlier this month, we or I guess in June at this point, we had um, the casting of the new Ariel in the up, in the upcoming live action Little Mermaid, who is not Halle Berry but not- Halle Bailey. Uh, uh-huh. <laughs> we all thought it was Halle Berry for a while, uh, being cast as Ariel, who of course we know as as white redheaded uh, in the animated version. So, of course, there was huge uproar about that. There still isn't, even uh, even now. 
Uh, is it uproar? Because I see both sides. I see, you know, as I scroll through social media, I see congratulations from one side. And then it's not that I see criticism, but I just see, you know, people like, oh, do we have to do this? Yeah, people, like, you know, you're right. There is two sides, absolutely. I just think the uh, the outrage is a little more vocal than the than the praise. But you're correct. There are both. There are two sides. I think that people are, are taking it very seriously. They grew up with Little Mermaid and they think that, you know, they want everything to be exactly the same as it always was. But why not branch out? Why not try something new, you know? Well, what about Bond? What do yeah, we Bond. actually know if we get back to, to sure, James sure. here? And, and of course, you, you know where I am in terms of best Bond. My name is Bond, James Bond. No, never been anybody better. Daniel Craig's not that bad. Come on. He's a pretty good Bond. Yeah, he's a pretty decent Bond. Any guy that gets whacked that hard in the, you know, in the stones and still goes. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, with this, with this mail quote, this anonymous movie insider yeah. says that uh, there's a scene. This person is quoting that there is a scene uh, at the start of the film where M, Judy Dench, says, come in. Wait, w-. didn't she die? No. <laughs> no. No. She lives forever. All right. Uh, she says, M says, come in 007, and in walks Lashana, who is black, beautiful, and a woman. This is the source. It's a popcorn-dropping moment. Bond is still Bond, but he's been replaced as 007. It's hardly the crying game. You know, it's not that kind of reveal. No. Slow pan down. Oh, my God! <laughs> That's terrible. Do <laughs> you remember that? Uh, yeah. Do you remember that when we actually had movies where people didn't actually just discuss what it w- was before it even came out, but like there, there actually was, you know, a hook or, or you know, a reveal? And, and that thing. was a reveal, let me tell you. Uh, yeah, that was a huge reveal. Um, well, it wasn't that big. Mm, terrible. Uh, but it's a waste of time really to speculate at this juncture. It's just a waste of time, I think, personally. All right. So you don't think that this whole Bond thing... Now, do, do what what's happening going forward? I mean, what do we know? We just know that, you know, Daniel Craig last time when he finished the last movie said, you know, he didn't want to do another one. And there was so much made of that. And now he's made another one. And then we've had a director change on this movie already. Danny Boyle is out. Um, and and we have all this speculation. It, it, it interests me because, you know, uh, what happens with Bond is such a reflection on our society in so many ways. Like, it is cheese, but who Bond is and how he acts is a reflection back on what is accepted in society. Yes, and if we're stepping away from uh, the racial aspect of this cast, this alleged casting, um, a lot of what's being said about this movie is it's going to move forward in progression in terms of treatment of women. So we're going to see, I think, in this new Bond film, less of the uh, the dashing, uh, the suaveness. Well, we might actually continue to see that, but I think there's going to be better treatment of women, more equal treatment of women, and I think that's really the, the bigger takeaway from this. Sure. Movie. Sure, Bond's going to be on Bumble instead of Tinder. See what I mean? <laughs> the difference there. We might feminist, just see that. We might just Tinder. see that. I'm intrigued regardless. <laughs> uh, uh, anything else on your uh, radar, Mr. Entertainment Man? Uh, what else is on the radar today? Uh, not really. No? I think that uh, I'm looking forward to this Bond. I'm, you know, Craig, like you said, Daniel Craig was really uh, not wanting to come back as Bond, and now he's back. So I guess they drove a truck full of money up to his house and said, hey. Are you enjoying this heat, Chris, by the way? I am. Okay. I'm wearing shorts. In, in, well, don't stand up. Trenton, New Jersey, commuters should expect a warm arrival at the Port Authority bus terminal in New York City. The Port Authority says the terminal's air conditioning system is not fully online yet. This following Saturday's power outage. You hear about this power outage in New York? 
that left parts of Manhattan dark for a number of hours. So just keep that in mind. It's smoking hot in New York right now, and you're at the ferry terminal, at the port bus terminal, pardon me, and you're just sweating. And from there, I am going to take you, Chris, now, as we move quickly, to Chicago. Oh, great. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but Chicago has a problem with an alligator. And they have actually now brought in a Florida expert. An expert from Florida has been summoned to Chicago to help authorities catch an elusive alligator in the public lagoon. Correct. So sections of Humboldt Park are closed while the search continues for this gator, which is at least four feet long. Investigators confirmed the sighting last week, but don't know what it's doing in Chicago. Probably vacationing. Uh, Did you hear this story? And I want to ask your idea on this one. There is a new uh, survey that says the amount of online video, and you are personally responsible for some of this because you're an online video creator, you work for globalnews.ca, but 300 million tons metric tons of carbon is emitted into the universe, into the, into the planet's atmosphere because of online videos. Did you wow. know this? I didn't. Wow. Now, here's, here's where I think you come in. Uh-oh. One-third of those are pornography. Uh-oh. And so the consumption of online pornography is equivalent to the carbon footprint of Belgium. <laughs> Jesus. So what, what are we supposed to do? Well, I I would think maybe not watch so many videos. I, I, Alan, I, Alan, please stop crying. <laughs> maybe you might want to lay off a little bit on the. Uh, I think you should be talking to humanity at large. That's going to be human- a, well. A I'm just I'm going to start issue. one at a time. <laughs> just one. I'm just one pervert at a time. As, and I'm not suggesting that you are, but I'm just. Uh, I know that you're in the online video. Maybe maybe you could take care of your two thirds. Okay, I will work <laughs> to improve. For next time, Alan. Promise. All right. I am going to finish, if I might, with a movie reference, because you're a movie guy. This is uh, a reference from the Imitation Game. You may have seen the Imitation Game. A code breaker and computing pioneer Alan Turing, who is the subject of that movie, has now been chosen as the face of Britain's new 50-pound note. Bank of England Governor Mark Carney saying today, Turing was a, quote, giant on whose shoulders so many now stand. His work cracking Nazi Germany's secret communications helped win World War II, but after the war he was prosecuted for homosexuality, which was illegal at the time. He died at the age of 41 after eating an apple laced with cyanide. So, good news there for Alan Turing. That uh, You may have known that story from the... You like that imitation game? Yeah. Here's the thing that I remember from the imitation game. If you watch it again... Uh, and this perhaps has special significance only to me. You would not believe how many times they shout Alan. Alan! 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 Al! Alan! 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 Chris Jancelowitz is the Global News Entertainment reporter and also personally responsible for ruining the planet. <laughs> Thanks, Alan. <laughs> Thank you for being with us. This is the Alan Carter Radio Program.